The pastors in the house will know what I'm talking about. This is that moment when you say, Lord, please don't let me mess up what you're doing right now. I'm in a series of messages called A Journey into Powerful Prayer. This is the fourth message. And I want to begin today by just asking you this question. Have you ever known somebody who had a powerful prayer life? I mean powerful. I mean when they prayed, things happened. Amazing and wonderful and glorious things happened. Things happened for which there was no other explanation except God. God stepped in and God did something. My mother-in-law, Mary Cowell, was just such a person. She was an amazing woman. I can't say enough good things about her. She was sweet and kind and humble and generous and unassuming. She never wanted the limelight. There were many times she came into our church. She passed away a couple of years ago when she would come into this church and no one would even know she was here. She was just a humble servant of the Lord. But I tell you this morning that when my mother-in-law stepped into the place of prayer, she became a mighty warrior. She had power with God. When my mother-in-law prayed, the enemy backed up and heaven stepped in. Can I just tell you that there is a place of prayer? I I know we're living in a generation uh, where prayer has been diminished. And we we have our own lights, our own sound effects. Uh, We have our own programs. And we don't depend on prayer that much anymore. But I'm telling you, there is a place in prayer. There is a place in prayer where the enemy has to back up, where death has to back up, where sickness has to back up, where whatever the obstacles are, they have to back up and God moves in. And that's what this series is all about. Uh, By the way, uh, my mother-in-law was just, she was just quiet and amazing. Uh, On one occasion, my my brother-in-law, Clint Kyle, was camping up on the Oclockney River. And he pulled his boat up to the shore and left, and they slept that night close by. But during the night, someone came and took his tackle box out of his boat. Any of you fishermen, you know what I'm talking about. He had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of lures and tackle in that box. His heart sank When he got to the boat and it was gone. Can you imagine how he felt? Well, when he got back home, he told his mother, my mother-in-law, I called her Mama Cow. He said, somebody stole my tackle box. You know what she said? Okay, I'll pray and you'll get your tackle box back. To which he said... I will never see that tackle box again. Now, I might not have said that, but I would have probably thought that. And she said, oh, yes, you will. I'll pray. 
you'll get the tackle box back. About a week later, his phone rang. Is this Clint Kyle? Yes. I have your tackle box. And I need to bring it back to you. I will meet you wherever you want me to meet you. But I need to get this tackle box back to you. Now, we can only imagine what was going on in the full circle, the full scheme of things. My mother-in-law was talking to God. And God was talking to this poor fellow who probably couldn't sleep. He was miserable beyond words. His conscience was probably killing him. The hand of God was probably pressing him down. And he probably felt like he'd die if he didn't get this tackle box back. And he got the tackle box back. I, you may say that's, that's not a big deal. Oh, yeah, it is too. Yeah, who does that? Who does that? Who steals something and then takes it back a week later? I can tell you nobody. Unless heaven gets involved. And he brought it back. Oh, that's not the, the only testimony uh, in our family. Multiple testimonies about my mother-in-law. He was, my brother-in-law was laid off on one occasion. In fact, the company said they were doing a cutback. And a large number of employees were dismissed. He tells his mom, I got laid off. She said, that's okay. I'll pray. You'll get your job back. Now, I, I, I want to ask you, because if we're going to talk about a journey into powerful prayer, at some point during that journey, you've got to start believing that there is power in prayer. At some point in that journey, you have to start believing that he's the God of all flesh and he can do anything according to his will and nothing is too hard for him. She said, I'll pray. You'll get your job back. Really? I was talking to my brother-in-law a couple days ago because I wanted to make sure I was getting the details right. He said about 60 to 70 days later, again, his phone rang. Would you like your job back? He said, yes. Come back to work. Now, friends, I'm telling you, That there are those who will say that was just coincidence. But in our family, we knew better. We knew there was a woman of God. We knew there was a woman who knew how to reach up and take hold of heaven. And reach out and take hold of a difficult situation. Bridge the gap and bring heaven down to earth. And to see God do amazing and wonderful things. I'm just telling you, my mother-in-law had the ability to pray and change things in the natural And the supernatural would move in and do a a great work. Can you imagine, can you imagine, I I just want to ask you, can you imagine what would happen if a church like this was filled with people who knew how to pray like that? I want, I want to tell you, everything we long for, everything we desire, everything we want to see in this community and in this church hinges on the power of prayer. People who know how to pray. And so, so that's what we're talking about. A journey into powerful prayer. Now, just a quick 
refresher, the first message, we talked about the power of prayer. The Bible actually tells us that those who know how to pray can pray in great power, producing wonderful results. I gave you that scripture in the first message. In the second message, we talked about the high priority of prayer. The prayer is so important. It's elevated above everything else because it's connected to everything else. And that is that we uh, are to see prayer as first place in our lives. I gave you five things, you remember. We're to pray nonstop, first place, non, uh, nonstop. We're to pray about everything. We're to pray in the spirit. And we are to never, never give up. We just keep praying. Never lose heart, Jesus said, when you pray. And, and, and if you'll think about it, can you think of anything more important in your life or my life or in the life of this church? It could be more important than talking to Jesus. Just talking to Jesus all the time. And by the way, that was our third message, conversational prayer, talking to Jesus nonstop about everything. We just simply talk to him. Now there's a place of deep prayer. There's a place of prayer and fasting. Uh, there's a, a place of prayer that turns into warfare, but to talk to him all the time. In fact, the scripture I use says this, don't worry about anything, pray about everything. Now, and one of the beautiful promises of that scripture, and by the way, the reason I'm not telling you where this is found is because you did, if you didn't hear the first three messages, I want you to have to go back and Listen to those. So, but, but here's what it says. If we do that, if we choose, make up our minds, not to worry about anything, but to pray about everything. It says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So, this morning, I want to talk to you about prerequisite to powerful prayer. Prerequisite to powerful prayer. Let me ask you this question. When your prayer life is not working, when you're not getting through, my mother-in-law and others that I've mentioned during this series so far, they knew how to get through. They knew how to pray and step in to the throne room of grace. But what about you? When your prayer life is not working, what do you do? What do you do if your prayers are not getting through? Do you pray more? Do you pray harder? Do you pray longer? Do you pray with more passion and zeal? If getting up at six o'clock in the morning doesn't work, do you get up at five? If getting up at five doesn't work, do you get up at four? If praying one hour is not working, do you pray two hours? If praying two hours doesn't work, do you pray three hours? What do you do when your prayer life is not working? Is that the answer? And I want to say maybe not. In fact, all those things I've just shared with you may be an absolute waste of time. I'm serious. It may just be a waste of time. I'm going to give you one verse this morning, and I want to tell you this one verse will give us the answer when your prayers are not working. Are you ready? You want to mark it down in your Bible. You want to remember this verse. Here it is. Here's the verse. 1 John 3.22. And whatever we ask, we receive from him 
because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Now, I want to point out the most important word in that scripture. Are you ready? It's the word because. If you miss that word, you miss this whole verse. One more time. And whatever we ask, we receive from him. Can we all agree that's powerful prayer, right? That's a position where you're asking from God and you're receiving from God and the power of God is moving and things are happening in your life, in your family, in your business, in your finances, in the world in which you live. When you're, uh, uh, and whatever we ask, we receive from him. Now notice, because we're about to see the prerequisite. <clears throat> because we keep his commandments and we do those things that are pleasing in his sight. It's very clear if you look at it, if you want a powerful prayer life, then something else has to be true. If you want this to be true, then this has to be true. A prerequisite to powerful prayer. Now, I want to read that verse again and put it back up on the screen. I want to read it again. And this time I'm going to change it around a little bit. And, and, and I do this kind of tongue in cheek because I want you to get it. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we get up and pray one hour every morning. Is that what it says? No. Now, by the way, if you're getting up and praying one hour every morning, God bless you. Because those of us who are not morning people struggle with those of you who are. Do, yes. Yeah. How many of you live with a morning person? Yeah, we, we need a, a special crown when we get to heaven. They're hard to live with. But it doesn't say that, does it? It doesn't say whatever we ask, we receive from him because we get up every morning and pray for an hour or two hours. How about this? Whatever we ask, we receive from him because we fast and pray once a week. Now, fasting and praying is a wonderful discipline. I've done it many times throughout my life. I recommend it. It is biblical. But that's not what the verse says. And, and, and we can just go on. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we ask in Jesus' name. Well, that's biblical. But, but I got to tell you, praying in Jesus' name and just saying, and, and I end almost every prayer I ever pray saying that in Jesus' name. But don't think for a moment that you can appear before the throne of grace and just throw the name Jesus in there. And all of a sudden, you're going to get your prayers answered. That's not what it says. How about this? And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we cry and pray passionately and loudly. Now, and I do that sometimes. Some, sometimes I get loud. Sometimes we get loud. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. In fact, I encourage it. But that's not what the verse says. That's not what it says. How about this? 
And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we claim a prayer promise in the Bible. Oh, here's a promise right here. I'm just going to reach in and pull that promise out. And I'm going to remind God of what he promised. And I'm going to attach that promise to my prayer. And we'll get what I want. It's not what it says, is it? I know I'm laboring the point, but I think this is important. Listen, this is what the verse says. And whatever we ask, we receive from him. Read it with me. Because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him or is pleasing in his sight. Wow. That's not hard to understand, is it? I'm not trying to beat you up, but I'm trying to say that if you want a powerful prayer life, you cannot circumvent other teachings in the Bible and step into the presence of the Lord and have this powerful prayer life. Now, this leads me to a conclusion that I put in my notes several weeks ago. And here it is. When your prayer life is not working... Don't work on your prayer life. Work on your life. Isn't that what he says? When your prayer life is not working, don't work on your prayer life. Work on your life. Work on your relationship with the Lord. Now, I do know that there are times of deep prayer, uh, covenant prayer, agreement prayer, fasting and prayer. But I want you to know prayer as a whole should be as natural to a child of God who's walking with God as breathing is to us. It's it's just natural. There are some things that are just incompatible with powerful prayer. You cannot pray in power And walk in hate. One more time. You can't pray in power and walk in hate. I know some Christians. Some people who come to church. Some people who are faithful. And yet, they have allowed some news network... To cause them to hate somebody they've never even met before. No. You cannot pray in power and walk in hate. Maybe I need to be a little more direct. You cannot pray in power and hate The President of the United States of America. All the Democrats in the House just applauded. I am not a Democrat. I am a Republican. I did not vote for Joe Biden. I don't think I'll ever vote for Joe Biden. But God's word as a child of God does not give me the latitude to hate him and to walk with God and have power in prayer. Stop letting Fox News 
and CNN cause you to harbor hatred in your heart for somebody you don't even know. I want your prayer life and my prayer life to be powerful and you cannot hold on to hate and meet with God. Are you with me? By the way, Joe Biden is not in charge. And it's not the vice president either who's in charge. Joe Biden's not in charge. God is in charge. Wouldn't you rather be on God's side than on either the Democrats or the Republicans? God's got a bigger picture. By the way, do you know who put Joe Biden in the White House? God did. And the powers that be are ordained of God, we read in Romans. You say, well, I don't like what's going on in America. Neither do I. But I want to tell you, here's where faith comes in. And that is we know something others don't know. We look above the circumstances and a mighty sovereign holy God is up to something. Don't get tricked and tripped up by the enemy and harbor hate in your heart. No, we want to, we want to pray in power. By the way, the Bible says honor the king. Tells us to pray for him. I don't have to vote for him. But I do have to pray for him. And I have to mean it when I pray. All right, if half of y'all are gone next week, I'll know. (laughs) God's way. By the way, you cannot, listen to me, you cannot pray in power and hold on to unforgiveness. Can't do it. I know some people who can quote scripture, they can preach sermons, uh, they're in church, they're faithful, they have all kinds of talent. And all you got to do is just mention one name in their presence and their whole countenance changes. Their whole countenance changes. They, they've somehow justified holding on to unforgiveness and they think they can walk with God and interact with God. And hold on to that unforgiveness. Let me tell you, if you've got unforgiveness in your heart, I don't care who it's for. You say, Pastor, this is tough. Yes, it is. If you've got unforgiveness in your heart, just stop praying. Because God's not hearing it and you're wasting your time. Now, Now, you may be thinking, Pastor... Pastor, that's strong language. No, that's biblical language. Jesus said, if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly father forgive you your trespasses. Oh, let me tell you. Hey, you want your prayer life? You want to energize your prayer life? Go find your worst enemy and do something nice for him. Yeah. I know that went over real big, didn't it? Love your enemies. Pray for your enemies. Do good for your enemies. We're a different kind. We're of a different breed. We walk on a higher level. This is not about you and somebody else. This is about you and God. And Him being God. 
let go of it. Forgive some. By the way, there is a scripture that says if you bring your gift to the altar and there you remember your brother have all against you. And I honestly don't think we do an injustice to scripture or say, or you have something against your brother. Go make it right. And then come back and pray. So the scripture teaches, oh, if I'm not in trouble yet, I will be. Guys, if you want to have a powerful prayer life, if you want to pray in power, quit mistreating your wife. I got to tell you, even in this church, that was a pitiful clap. The Bible says if you don't honor your wife, if you don't love your wife, if you don't treat her with respect, your prayers will be hindered. It just creates a block there. And, uh, and ladies, I, I think I can add to it and say the same applies to you also. Love your husbands. Respect your husbands. Pray for your husband. <clears throat> do, do you understand what's going on here? We're talking about prayer, but in order to have a powerful prayer life, we've got to back up and say, these are the prerequisites. We've got to back up and, and, and say, I'm praying and receiving from the Lord because I'm taking seriously what the Word of God says, and I'm doing what He says do, and I'm doing those things that are pleasing in His sight. By the way, here's one more. Please listen to what I'm about to say. You cannot pray in power and hold on to sin. You can't hold on to sin. Oh, God understands. No, he doesn't. I'm in a special situation. No, you're not. Oh, God knows what's in my heart. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Trust me, he knows what's in your heart. You can't hold on to sin and have a powerful prayer life. The psalmist said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Oh, my goodness. These are things that get in the way. Listen, if you want to pray in power, then you have to walk with God. And let me define walking with God. That means you were with all of your heart chasing after God. You, you are doing what he tells you to do. You're doing the things that are pleasing in his sight. You can spend the rest of your life, and some Christians do, you can spend the rest of your life struggling in prayer and seeing very little results. Or you can let God be God. You can believe what his word says. You can say, you know what? It's time for me to take seriously my walk with the Lord. And and it's time for me to start obeying his commandments. This, you know what this means? This means if you want a powerful prayer life, you better know how to study your Bible. You, You better know how to get in your Bible and see what God wants. And then you give it to him. You do what he says do. Even if it goes against everything in your natural mind and body, you do what God tells you to do. Now, back to that statement, when your prayer life is not working, don't work on your prayer life, work on your life. I tell you, church, five minutes, five minutes of praying the right way because you're walking with God. 
and keeping his commandments and doing those things that are pleasing in his sight. Five minutes of praying the right way would be better than 50 years of praying the wrong way. By the way, there are people all over the world who pray all the time, probably more than we pray, and they're not even praying to the right God. So prayer in itself is not the answer. Getting through to the one you're praying to is the answer. That's, that's the right answer. There was uh, a lady uh, that lived in this county many years ago, and then she moved off. She was a relative of mine, <clears throat> and her name was Nursey Sarvis. Uh, we called her Aunt Nert. And uh, she was um, a real force. She was a prayer warrior. My mama told me one time that uh, because Aunt Nurt's boys were in the Navy and they were stationed on a battleship, that all the other mothers in the county, this was during wartime, that all the other mothers in the county had sons, would enlist and request to be on the same battleship with her boys because they believed that the enemy could never sink a ship that had nursery services boys on it. Prayer. Oh, she was a prayer warrior, known far and wide for the way she prayed. And then one day my grandfather was told by the doctors that he had pancreatic cancer. And they gave him a short time to live. And so they called the whole family together. And I was young. And we had a prayer meeting. And my grandfather was already in bed. He couldn't walk. He was pretty late stage. And I remember that day. I'll never forget it. My Aunt Nert was at the foot of the bed. And by the way, she was one of those old-time Pentecostal women. If she let her hair down, it would drag the floor. But boy, did she believe. I was on one side of the room with my mother, and my grandfather was on the bed here. She was at the foot of the bed, probably five or six more people in that room. And she began to pray. Oh, she prayed. And then all of a sudden, I heard somebody walking in the room. I heard footsteps, which I thought was kind of strange. Who's walking around here in prayer? And when I looked up, a man walked by me. And he had a white coat on. He was dressed in white. She was praying. He walks over to my grandfather. And now I'm, I never saw his face. I'm looking at his back. And... Then all of a sudden, he, he stood there for a moment. Then all of a sudden, he leaned over and either whispered something to my grandfather or he kissed him. And that kind of made me nervous a little bit. I didn't know what was going on. So I bowed my head. And about the moment I bowed my head, it all happened just bam, bam, bam. About the time I bowed my head, my aunt nerd said, amen. I turned to my mother and I said to my mom, I said, uh, what was the doctor doing here? Because in those days, we had a doctor that made house calls. He was the only person I knew that wore a white coat like that, long white coat. And she said, the doctor has not been here. And, and I, 
I said, yes, mom, I saw him. Well, about this time, Aunt Nurk comes over and she says, tell me what you saw, son. And I said, well, I saw the doctor come by and come in and he went over. I said, looked like he kissed grandfather. And my Aunt Nurk pitched a hallelujah, glory to God fit. And I had no idea why what I saw would cause her to just go crazy. And then when it all finished, she said, God has opened the eyes of a child to let us know that he has sent one of his holy angels to heal grandfather. Now, about this time, I'm thinking my Aunt Nurt does not know what she's talking about. (laughs) Because every picture I'd ever seen of an angel had a halo and had wings. The man that walked by me didn't have a halo and didn't have wings. He was dressed in white. And I thought, honestly, I'm serious. No matter how much they talk to me, I thought she is crazy. No angel's been in this house. Church, listen to me. Three days later, my grandfather sat up in that bed, got off that bed, resumed a normal life and lived some 15 years. There was a glorious healing. Church, there is a place of powerful prayer. I'm afraid we're living in a time when people are not praying like they used to pray. And I'm just saying this. Isn't it time for us to take that journey, whatever it takes to get whatever we need to get right with God and to get into a place of powerful prayer? If I were to ask you, How many of you want to see miraculous healings in this house? Oh, yeah. How many of you would like like to see God do things like we've never seen before? Uh, Marriages healed. A healing of memories. A restoration. God moved. Listen, my aunt Nurt prayed and God, I don't know who it was, but it wasn't our county doctor. God sent a messenger from heaven and walked in the room. If I were to ask you, how many of you would like for God to send some messengers from heaven to walk in our midst? Yeah. But I want to tell you, those things happen when people pray. When people take the journey into powerful prayer. And that's where I want us to go. But listen. You've, you've heard, this is the fourth message. We'll stay on this subject for a while. Because. 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 We ask and we receive from him. Because. We keep his commandments. And do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the privilege of preaching your word. Thank you, Lord, for the power that comes from a right relationship with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
for the gift of prayer. But Lord, we humble ourselves enough today to say, if we've been doing it the wrong way, if our focus has been wrong, then we're ready to change. We're ready for that to change. We, we, wanna, we want the kind of prayer where we walk with you. Father, would you bless us today? I pray, Father, that there will be some in this church today who have never been prayer warriors, but when they walk out of here today, they will be prayer warriors because they understand something. Father, open our hearts and minds. Help us to understand like never before. Lord, I pray that this message will be a prerequisite to miracles, to healings, to restoration. Oh, and this is the biggest one of all, church. Listen, Father, I pray that this will be a prerequisite to our family members getting saved and coming to Christ and knowing you and their lives being changed. I pray that this message today will be a prerequisite to bringing our children back home. Those that are straying now to bringing them back. Lord, bless. Bless us to step into that place of powerful prayer. In the wonderful and holy and matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.